Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Psalms 23, let me read through it real quick and we'll come back and see what the Spirit of God has for us tonight. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everybody say, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will, li- and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. Everybody say forever. Now we are kind of zeroing in there on verse 3. He restoreth my soul. Now, we determined last week by looking into the Word of God that our soul is comprised of our, of our mind, which is the way we think, uh, our emotions, which is how we feel, and our will are, are the choices that we make. Now, we must understand something as human beings upon this earth And I don't think it's been any more relevant than it is right now. And that is this. We live in a soul-sick society. I'm telling you. And it hasn't gotten any better. It's gotten worse. And it seems like it's gotten exponentially worse in the past few years. But I'm telling you, people are so mixed up in their minds. Their emotions are way up here. I mean, just at the drop of a hat, people are... You know, just just uh, angry and emotional, and and I'm telling you over all kinds of subjects, and and uh, 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 you know, then choices people are making, or it's amazing some of the choices people are making uh, that are not good, that are not wise, and you know, I believe God's got something better for His family, and that is to restore. If I say restore, now literally, if the word restore, you know, that means to put back into a working condition. Now, our soul, the soul of the human family, was created right. You know, I mean, God gave us our mind. God gave us our will. God gave us emotions. He gave us all of those as part of the human experience. But when man fell, man's soul got messed up. And whether you realize it or not, your soul has been not only affected, but infected by all kinds of things that have happened in your life, happened in you, around you, through you, for you, against you, you pretty much name it. It has had an effect upon the way you think, uh, the way you feel, and the choices you make. Now what God wants to do is He wants your soul to be restored in such a way where that your spirit man has control over your soul. That's one of the biggest problems there is in the body of Christ is that men and women, their spirit man is subservient to their soul. Instead of their spirit dominating and saying, this is how we're going to feel, this is how we're going to think, this is how we're going to choose. Instead of the spirit doing that, It's the soul that does it for itself. And many times when you allow the soul to do it for itself, it's the flesh that begins to become predominant in everything you do. Does the flesh want to do it? Does the flesh feel like doing it? What does the flesh think about it? And we don't realize many times is that the flesh never, and don't get mad at me for saying this, the flesh never makes good choices. (laughs) That needs to be said twice, doesn't it? The flesh never makes good choices. You say, now why not? Because it's dirt. Some people get up in the morning, look in the mirror, say, what does the dirt think about today? What is the dirt? How's the dirt going to feel today? And what choices is the dirt going to make? Well, you know, that's not going to get you very far down the road of life. Amen. You're either going to get into a trap or you're going to get tripped up or you're going to be so dominated by how you feel, what you think of the choices that you make. that you're going to end up. And the problem is people end up in positions like that. And then they get in that position and they cry out to God for help. God, help me. God, help me. I need a miracle. I need help. I need help. I need a miracle. And they come and God gives them an answer, but it's not the answer they want. And the reason it's not the answer they want is not because their spirit doesn't agree with it. It's their soul doesn't agree with it. Well, that's not the way I think. That's not how I feel about it. That's not the choice I'm going to make. No, it just may be that you might have to spend several days fasting and praying to get an answer from it. Well, I don't like that. 
Amen. Well, it just may be you're going to have to put a check on your emotions of the way you feel. There may be a process you have to go through where literally you go to the point where you don't trust your soul so much anymore. Now, I gave a few points last week, and I'm going to kind of rehearse these back. I'll go through them real quick. We found out what the soul was. It's our mind, our emotions, and our will. Uh, We talked about the time factor, that our soul lives within the realm of time like the rest. Let Let me help you real quick. Your soul and your body are living in the realm of time. Did you know that? The clock is ticking. I mean, you know, you may say, well, you know, I'm, I'm 22 years old and, and I'm going to live a long time. Well, I'm glad you are, but listen, one day you're going to be 82 years old. And you're not going to have as many years as you had. Time has an effect on all of us, except, now listen, there is one part of you time has no effect on whatsoever. That's your spirit man. You're already in eternity. Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. Your spirit, man, is already in eternity. That doesn't mean it's already in heaven. That means it already exists in the realm of timelessness. Well, I believe that that would give you real confidence in the strength that comes from that realm in order to overcome this temporal realm and your reaction to it. So we use the phrase that, that, that I don't know who came up with it. I, you know, probably somebody that uh, was thinking, amen, because uh, it's not a spiritual phrase, but we used the phrase last week, time heals all wounds. That is not true. I mean, there's people that have gone to their grave with wounds in their soul that time did not heal. Time does not heal all wounds. Now, we saw that time, we kind of looked at time and what time does when it does come to our hurts, to our wounds, to what has happened to us in life. It empowers us to live with hurt. Time does that. It allows hurt to become part of us. Time does that. It, it, allow, it allows hurt to mastate into other areas of our life in order to control us. Amen. And then it becomes time causes uh, the hurt to become the angle in which everything else in life is cut off of. Well, that's, that's a pretty miserable way to live. If something or something, usually it's not something, usually it's many things. It's a whole grocery list of things that have happened in our lives from, you know, being, you know, born a middle child to, to, to not being, you know, uh, being ugly when you were young or whatever it was that so wounded and hurt and tore you up that you're so, so sick today. Amen. Uh, the addictions, the afflictions, all you went through, you know, you were spanked with barbed wire, you were made to drink vinegar, you know, they put a pork chop around your neck to get the dog to play with you, all of those things. And, 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 and time didn't heal it. So you become very touchy in your soul and very, uh, uh, how can I say this, very unresponsive many times to the real demand that the Word of God puts on you for soul restoration. Now, I want to go tonight and begin with the mind because that is the place right there in which we get into the most trouble. Now, let me say this, and don't get mad at me. Let me teach a little bit before you make a decision on what I'm fixing to say. But listen, many of you, I urge you as your pastor... You need to quit thinking so much. Now, let's, you say, qualify it. Well, we, we talk about things we really need to do. Really need to do. Let's put the, does anybody know what goes to the top of the list? The really, the, what we really need to do. I mean, talk about really need. You really need to do this. Breathe. You really need to breathe. And if I was to get up and say, you know, some of you people in here are breathing too much, then you'd probably think, you know, I might not be at the right church here. (laughs) But at the top of the list of everything that you need to do, and you need to do it on a continual basis, is breathe. Inhale. Exhale. It has a way of keeping you alive. Amen. Amen. But then, you know, you could come, everybody could probably, we could probably get different uh, 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 responses on what should be number two, number three, number four. But somewhere in there is going to be thinking. Amen. And you will find out that many times what we do as people, just as people, is we so overthink things that we pull the knot so tight 
Then it don't look like nobody can untie it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, literally, we see it in the news media with what's going on in, our, in politics and all the things. that They have so overthought everything that's going on that they may have tied a knot that they can't untie. You say, who's they? Everybody. Both sides. Three sides if there's three sides. Four if there's four. All of them have so overthought and over-sensationalized and over-just just poured all of their emotions and all of this into... At the end of the day, we all go home, we have dinner, we watch what we want, and we cut it off, and it's not even relevant anymore. And many times that's what happens to us, especially when we get in a crisis of life, a financial problem, a, 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 a problem with our health, whatever it may be, is that all of a sudden our thought process becomes overstimulated and the thoughts in our mind just begin to become rampant and the volume of thought is almost supernatural. I mean, you get up thinking, you think all day long, you go to bed thinking, you think, you think, you think, all these thoughts, 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 thoughts. Now, the two scriptures we want to use, and I wanted to stay within the letters of the church, go to Romans first, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians, and then we'll, we'll see what we can do about this. Go to Romans 8. You should already have these. We've studied these so many times. And I'm coming at a little different angle than just renewing your mind. I'm, I'm coming at the angle of learning how to stop thinking. Because sometimes you need to learn to stop thinking. Because you'll find out that thinking and the thought process is not near as valuable to God as it may be to you. Amen. A lot of people say, oh, I think it's pretty valuable. No, well, hold on a minute. Let's see how valuable it is to God. It says in verse 6 of Romans chapter 8, it says to be carnally minded is what? Woo! Well, let's just put it like this. To think carnally is death. Now, what does it mean to think carnally? To think carnally is to think in response to your flesh and your emotions, the other side of your soul. To allow how you feel to stimulate flesh and to, to allow choices you need to make or have made to stimulate thought. That's carnal thinking. That's carnal thinking. Now you can get over into the Word of God and see in Isaiah 55, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than yours. So God has a way of thinking that's better than our thinking. Our thinking is carnal. His thinking is spiritual. Now let me say that again. Our thinking is carnal. His thinking is spiritual. And the Bible says to think carnally is death. Everybody say death. I mean it separates you from spiritual things. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now notice in this scripture, it talks about two different kinds of minded. Can I use that? Is that bad English? I don't know how else to say it. Two different kinds of being minded. Carnally minded, spiritually minded. Now anytime there's two, it means there's a choice. Come on church, this is it's really not that hard, but it'll help you. Anytime there's two, there's a choice. You can choose to be carnally minded, or you can choose to be spiritually minded. Now, if you choose to be carnally minded, it's going to produce death in your life. But if you choose to be spiritually minded, what does it say it's going to produce? Listen to what it says. It's going to produce what? What? Life and peace. Now, what's the whole world want? The whole world wants life and peace. But the problem is they've so overthought religion and overthought... What was that movie we were watching the end of last night? The... the the trial, the Scripps monkey trial in Cleveland, Tennessee. And so they had the, the, the premier expert of the Bible, the man of God. And then they had the, they had the, they had the lawyer, the, 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 I guess he was the, 
defend it. He was trying to defend what it was. The you know, most people know the story. Somebody taught uh, on evolution in a school. They brought a uh, arrested him for it, and, and the court trial that uh, uh, ensued became a book, then became a movie, and it's basically on on evolution. And so they went in there, and I really felt sorry for the for the for the religious guy, for the preacher guy. Because he had a little bit of knowledge of the Word of God, but it was all carnal. And so when someone else with the same type of thinking came at him at that angle, he didn't have a leg to stand on. He used, he used an illustration. He went over into Genesis, and he talked about after Cain slew Abel, and God put a mark on Cain. And he said, now God put a mark on Cain and sent Cain out. And then, look here, look here, sir. It says, and Cain knew his wife. Where did his wife come from? Well, the guy went, oh, 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 oh. Amen? See, some of you are looking at me like, well, where did he come from? <laughs> the problem with that, the, the answer to that question is this. Your carnal mind desires one answer. Your spiritual mind is satisfied with understanding, which may be another answer. You see what I'm saying? In the realm of the intellect, there must be an explanation. Where did Cain's wife come from? The Bible doesn't say that there was three families in the garden. It didn't say that there was other people around. It doesn't say, it doesn't say. But see, they're looking for an answer that will stimulate the soul. Something they can feel good about. Something that will satisfy the mind. And somebody they can cut choices off of that make sense. Takes no faith. Takes no faith. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, uh, For without faith it is impossible to please him. For those that come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You must understand that all of the things that God put in the Word of God are not designed to fit into your mind. So when the mind questions it, you have to make a decision who you're going to side with, whether you're going to side with what your mind thinks or what your spirit knows. Amen? Now, if I'd have been that guy, sitting up on that stand with what I know right now, who I am right now, I'd say, now, where, is, where did Cain's wife come from? I would say this. I'd say, well, I don't know, and the Bible doesn't say. But here's what I do know. The Bible says, by faith we understand. Sir, you're looking for an explanation of a question that I cannot answer, but it's a question that I know I have the answer for because God has put an understanding in me that she came from somewhere. <laughs> now, how do you refute that? It's easy to do it when you, you know, when you got 30 minutes to think after the movie's over. <laughs> Amen. But you have to understand that your mind, is always, your mind is always shifting toward the intellect. It's always shifting toward explanation. It's always shifting toward something that's going to pacify it. I've got to have the answer. I've got to have the answer. You may not get the answer. All you may get is an understanding. That's why Paul over and over prayed, by faith, we under, or, or said, by faith we understand, or pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Jesus, when he started talking to his disciples, here he is risen from the dead, standing there in a glorified body. The holes in his hands are healed. The holes in his feet are healed. His side is healed. It's only been three days and three nights. He's risen from the dead. And the Bible says he started explaining or started telling them in the Scripture and telling them how the Scripture must be fulfilled. And they're standing there going, huh? And then it says this, Then open he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Because, listen, the whole... Oh, man. I don't know if i got time to do that. The whole time they walked with him. Now, listen to me very carefully. James, John, Peter, all of them. The whole time they walked with Jesus, they got it wrong. Even when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. They were still looking for a governmental change. That Jesus would be the one that would step up, gather the army of Israel, throw the Romans out, and reestablish the throne of his father David. They had no idea 
that the true mission of the Messiah was to restore man to God, not Israel to a government. And it took them a while to figure that out after they got the Holy Ghost. You say, why? Because that's the way they thought. That's the way they thought. They thought that because of their religious teaching. And let me tell you something, church. They still think that to this day. They're still waiting for Messiah. Amen? So, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because, this is why, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Or we can say it like this. It is not subject to the word of God. Amen? Now listen, you do something long enough, you find out a thing or two about it. Amen? So I've been standing in front of crowds for 35 years watching people. How they respond, how they act as you teach the Word. I guess my biggest complaints that I get is you talk too fast and you say too much. Amen? Well, I'm sorry. That's what it takes for me to keep my mind in check so I can stay spiritually minded. Amen? But it's, it's, it's amazing to watch people as they connect with something that God is saying and you can literally, the only way I can explain you can almost see a thought go right through their mind. I wonder if Taco Bell will be open after church. <laughs> I mean right there, and then they kind of go, and they get that glazed over look. And then they remember after about 15, 16, oh, I'm in church, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then they kind of act real spiritual like they're writing a note down, you know. <laughs> Amen? Now that shows you, literally, that this building is full of thought. There's thought all over. There's the thought that you brought. There's the thought that's going on. There's divine thought from the Word of God being taught and preached. There's the devil in here throwing thoughts in everybody's mind. There's all kinds of thought going on. You're thinking about what might happen, what may happen, what's going to happen, what should have happened. All kinds of thoughts going on. Amen? And the problem with that is you are the one that is responsible to discern what is carnal and what is spiritual and to yield to that which is spiritual and stay away from that which is carnal because everything you end up thinking that's carnal brings death to your life. That's why so many people, after they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, stay in patterns of sin that are so detrimental to their life. Because it's not that Jesus didn't deliver them. It's not that Jesus didn't wash their sin. And not that Jesus didn't do all that he said he did in the Word of God. It's that they did not change their thinking after the miracle of the new birth took place. They did not change the way they thought. And only you can change the way you think. Now, we've always used mind renewal because that's what's scriptural. Where is it? Uh, uh, Romans 12. Be not conformed to this mind. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you may prove what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. See how, see how that's tied to the will of God. So we talk about mind renewal. And we put all this effort into mind renewal. Think, all right, I'm, I'm going to renew my mind today. So what I'm going to think, I'm going to think, let's see. I'm going to think John 3.16. Hmm, okay, here we go. For God so loved the world. All right, that's a good thought. Yeah, that's a good thought. Uh, man, let's see what I, I think I'll think um, Philippians 4.19 yes, for my God shall supply all of my need and then we think just by looking, embracing, allowing it to go through the what? Go through the same ritual as education as, 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 as interaction with employer-employee as uh, training, whatever it may be through the same interaction of the mind that that's going to get the job done that does not get it done you have to lean toward the stronger force of your life. The force of your life is not a mental force. The force of your life is not a spiritual force. The force of your life, I mean, excuse me, the, the force of your life is not a mental force or a physical force. It is a spiritual force. That's why God put His Spirit in you. So you have to use the tools God has given you in order, number one, to learn how to put the brakes on your mind. That's the first thing you have to learn how to do is to stop your mind. How many, now, now you don't have to, you know, get real wild with this, but how many can think of a time in your life that if you could have stopped your mind, you wouldn't have made the mistake that you did? We all have an album of that. Amen? Just think if Peter could have just stopped his mind. 
when he was there in that court and they were crucifying Jesus. But he couldn't do it. His thinking was already set. So he did not have the tools necessary at that point in order to combat the enemy of God. Now let me read it in the Amplified. I, I was studying the Amplified this afternoon. Let me read both of them. It says, verse 6 says, Now the mind of the flesh, flesh, which is sense and reason without... Now I want you to know this very, notice this very carefully. Without the Holy Spirit is death. Death that compromises all the miseries arising from sin both here and the hereafter. Now that's, that's, that's scary. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and, here's the word, soul peace, both now. I'm not going to get to the forever part. You say, why not? Because we're living now. So everybody say now. now. That is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God for it does not submit itself to God's law indeed. Now listen to this. Indeed, it cannot. I'm going to get my mind right. <laughs> Your mind can't get right. Amen? See, that's what most people, you get enough teaching on mind. Well, I'm telling you, you renew your mind to the point. You won't have any problems with your mind anymore. Phooey! You're going to have problems with your mind till the day you die. Your mind's going to mess with you. It's going to be the devil's playground. And what we talk about with, uh, in renewing the mind, restoring the soul, and getting rid of the enmity or the, or the enemy of God is allowing your spirit man to become strong enough to dominate your mind so your mind doesn't rule you. That's a job that we all have to take responsibility for. Amen? Another verse, real quick. I've got 10 minutes, good. Oh, we got the youth having service. We might go all night, amen? <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 12. It says, now we've received not the Spirit. Now notice this. Now we have received not the Spirit. Notice that's capital S. Excuse me, that's little s. It's not capital S. Not the Spirit. We've received not the Spirit of the world. So you don't have the Spirit of the world in you anymore. But the Spirit, capital S, which is of God, which is the Holy Spirit. That we might know, everybody say no, the things that are freely given to us of God. Now let me, I'm trying to get this over to people in teaching on faith. And it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to do this. But if you can get a hold of this, just barely, just get your fingernails in, it'll really help you. There is no doubt in your spirit. And your spirit does not believe. Your spirit knows. Now just think about that for a minute. If you've got something that is the real you, that God has placed on the inside of you through His redemptive work and has taken a part of His spiritual DNA and placed in your spirit that takes your spirit out of the temporal into the eternal, that leaves a dimension and part of the divine nature in you, not in a church building, not in some altar somewhere, not in some special room in the Vatican or something like that, but the living spirit, the very Shekinah of God Almighty is inside of you. It's in you. It's resident in you. It's not there by, by theory. It's not there by theological summation. In reality, as real as the blood in your veins, the skin on your bones, the organs of your body, is God's Spirit in your spirit. Come on. Oh, I'm telling you, you get a hold of that, you, you're going to get dangerous. I said, you're going to get dangerous. And up out of that wants to come. You say, now how can you qualify that with the Word of God? The Bible says that our spirit bears witness with His spirit 
that we are the sons of God. That means everything the Word of God reveals, your spirit says yes and amen to. It doesn't say, I believe it. It says, I know it. I know I'm saved. I know I'm healed. That's your spirit speaking. I know I'm prosperous. I know I'm righteous. I know heaven is my home. I know it. I know it. I know it. You couldn't beat me with a ball bat and beat me to a greasy spot. It'd still say, I know it. I know it. I know it. Your mind has to believe it. Your mind is connected to your heart where your spirit is connected. And you must learn to believe with your heart, which is a combination of your mind and your spirit. It's where it mixes. Every organ of your body mixes. Your heart needs your lungs, needs your stomach, needs your blood, needs your veins, needs your liver. Needs your... There's not one organ in your body that's not dependent on the whole body. Amen. They're even saying now you shouldn't get your appendix taken out unless you have to. Amen. The same way he's in the spirit. Now, I'm going to jump ahead of myself real quick just to make a point. God speaks to your spirit. God speaks to your spirit. I said God speaks to your spirit. Actually, if you could really be conscious of how he speaks to your spirit and how often he does, you'd be amazed. He speaks all the time to your spirit. All the time he's speaking to your spirit. What your spirit wants to do is to send what God is speaking to your spirit up to your mind. But if your mind is carnal, is it going to make the journey? Nah, you'll talk to yourself out before it even gets there. Patterns of thinking. The Bible calls it strongholds over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Patterns of thinking. It will run right into those patterns of thinking. It'll never make it. You'll never, you'll never, well, I, I never thought of that. I never thought of tithing. I never thought of tithing. I never thought of that. Or when I do think of it, I think, huh, tithing? Are you out of your mind? Yes, I'm out of my mind and into the mind of Christ. I've actually heard people say, man, you people have lost your mind. That's the best thing that can happen to you is to lose your mind and get the mind of Christ. They thought, Listen, they thought he was crazy. His family tried to come get him. They did. They tried to come get him. Said, are you beside yourself? You lost your mind. Amen? I mean, who was it? Felix or one of them told Paul he was crazy. You're crazy. You've had, you've been, you're, 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 you're too caught up in this spiritual stuff. But see, we must understand, folks, that God did what was necessary to bring redemption to this earth to heal the real part of man that he made in his likeness and image. He didn't make the physical body in his likeness and image. He didn't make the human mind. He made the real you, the spirit you. When he breathed into that flesh into that dirt. He breathed the breath of God. He breathed the essence of himself into that form, that dirt that he formed up out of the ground. And when we got born again, he did the same thing. He breathed, the Bible says of Jesus in John 20, he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God came on the inside of them. They got born again just like we're born again. Now that, that fight, we've talked about it, teaching on faith, teaching on redemption, teaching on healing, teaching about everything we've taught on. We've always gone back and got over to the, to the battlefield of the mind. Amen? Now, let me, I'll close with this. Just got a couple of minutes. The volume of information available to our society today. Your computer. How many television channels you got? I mean, I used to work for the first cable TV company in Texas. Teleprompter Cable TV. Started in Galveston in 1970. I went to work for it in 1975, I think. Man, we were, we were, we were the cutting edge of technology. We had 12 channels. 12 channels. I'm telling you, 12. back then, there were five channels. You had ABC, NBC, you had CBS, then you had two what they called UHF channels, which were channel 39, channel 26. 26 became Fox, 39 became I don't know what came. But we had the super channel out of Atlanta, Georgia. We had HBO. Ooh. We had Galavision. That was the Spanish channel. Amen. I remember I, I, I worked for them, and then in the, the late 70s and the early 80s, I moved up to Lamarck and worked, uh, uh, worked at the uh, store. And I remember when they launched MTV. <laughs> Y'all remember that? 
We went to 36 channels. Amen? How much information? How many TV shows can you watch? How many times? How many things on the computer? I mean, just it's kind of like your mind is this, is this animal that just gorges and gorges and gorges and gorges all this information, you know, diet and, and football and basketball and, and politics. And, and, you know, I mean, you just, and then you got your job and you got your family and you got your kids and you got to, and you're just constantly this information, your mind is interacting. And then the Bible, you go to church and somebody says, your mind's of the devil. And you're going, oh my God, I'll just shoot myself, you know. Amen. I mean, it's, it's a good reason to panic. But listen, God's merciful. I said God's merciful. So what he, what he has designed in the Bible was not designed for people 2,000 years ago. It was designed for us today. Just as much as it was designed for them 2,000 years ago. To work in such a way that as we what? Give attention to it. Go back to Proverbs chapter 4. My son, attend to my word. What does that mean? That means you give attention to the computer, to the television, to all of that. And, and really, one of the things that has really encroached upon even the intellectual capacity of our society is entertainment. Because entertainment does not demand thought. You can sit in front of entertainment. Now what if the only thing they ever put on TV were courses that were educational? Math, science. No more, no more Disney, no more, no more HBO, no more. It's, it's math, it's science, it's English, it's Latin. So every time you turned your computer on or your television on, you had to sit and you had to learn what they were teaching you. Nobody watched TV. There would be no Lassie. There would be no, you know, there would be no nothing. No Homer Simpson. No nothing. Because we, would, we, we have to put up with that too much just to live life. But then once you're born again... That spirit that's on the inside of you has its own way of thinking. Now, let me close with this. This will help you. Leaning on the strength of the spirit by using what you have. Number one, the new birth. The spirit that what? Abides. You're born again. The Spirit is in you. Jesus likened it to a what? To a well of water springing up on the inside of you. Uh, that illustration to us in Galveston, Texas, 2,000 years later, may not be near as relevant, but back then in those days in that arid region of the world, a spring of living water is basically that's it. That, that's, that's, the, that's the ultimate. That's oil. What's oil? They didn't know what oil was. We don't want oil. We need water. We need water for our camels. We need water for our sheep. We need water for our donkeys. A spring of living water. And, the, and to tell somebody that this experience with God through Jesus Christ, this new birth, is likened to what? A spring of living water. So you know what he's saying to her? What he's saying to the woman at the well? He's saying, it's everything you'll ever need. It's everything you'll ever need. It's in you. It's bubbling up in you. Everything you'll ever need. Now think about that. Everything you'll ever need. So we live now 2,000 years later. We're through a miracle of God. We have a, a book that is a canon of Scripture that is not like any other book on the planet. This book is God-breathed. Everybody say God-breathed. This book identifies defines, gives us understanding of where and what that spring is. Not only that, it instructs us on how to partake of it. Now think about that for a minute. There's something in you that has been deposited everything you'll ever need for life and happiness.
that through the precious promises of God, you can be a partaker of that divine nature. Now think about that. If that is true, which I'm saying it is true. I know it is. I've lived this thing long enough to find out this is true. I had so much bad thinking in my mind, and I still have thinking that I'm dealing with. But one thing I will say is but by the, by the mercy of God and His grace in my life and that which I have learned, my mind does not dominate me near as much as it used to. Not near as much as it used to. And I'm trusting next year it'll be less and the year after that less and the year after that less. That doesn't mean I don't have trouble with it. That doesn't mean I don't have problems with it. But by the Word of God and my attention to it, giving attention to the Word, I've learned how to drink of that spring. And it's a little more than just reading the Bible. i got to read my scripture every day, read my chapter every day, read my... I, I still go back to the wor- words of Francis Ward. You can have no greater relationship with Jesus than you have with this book. This book is a living book. This book is the word of life. This w- book is the bread of life. This book is the water of life. This w- book helps define who you are, what you have, what you can do. So it is literally the most important document in your life. And no, there's no other document like it on the earth. See, that, that was one of the problems in that trial that we watched in that movie last night. The guy kept saying, it's just a book, it's just a book. Nobody stood up and said, no, it's not just a book. Amen. And let me prove by the book that it's not just a book. All Scripture is given by inspiration. The word inspiration is the word ruah. All Scripture is what? Breathed by God. So every time you open this book and embrace it, not just with your mind, but with your heart, God is breathing on you. And the more God breathes on you, the more life rises up and dominates you. That's the first one. Second time, the spirit that abides, the spirit that empowers. The most profound attribute of the human experience is communication. Without communication, we're no different than the fish in the sea. The birds of the air. They do not communicate. There is not a bird language, a fish language, a deer language, a cow language. When a cow says moo, the other cow hears moo. There is no language. And I don't care who says how smart the whales are. I've never seen one driving a Hyundai. Or buying a piece of property, you know. Or doing anything else. Why? Because they're animals. They're dualistic. They're soul and flesh. They're not spirit. So God comes into your spirit through the new birth, and he comes on you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which does what? Affects your communication. You are baptized in the spirit with the evidence of doing what? Speaking in other tongues. So God has tapped the spirit that he put on the inside of you and placed it in the most important place in your life, and that is in your language. And if if your mind is an enemy of God, no wonder He gave you a language your mind can't understand. You start praying in tongues, and your mind understands it, your mind hears. Oh, Father, I thank you for $17 million in my new jet airplane, and I thank you that I'll never have cancer or AIDS. I thank you that I'll live a long life and I'll prosper. Your mind will say, are you out of your mind? That's what your mind will say. So what God did is he cut it off at the past. Nope. I'm going to give them something their mind can't encroach on. I'm going to give them something their mind can't talk them out of. I'm going to give them something that if they'll practice it and live in it and walk in it and pray in the Spirit and pray in other tongues and pray in the Spirit, I'll teach them how to put the brakes on their mind. So when I was very young in the Lord, Leah may have been with me. I've been the first year we were married. We're up visiting Mom Goodwin. She's talking to us about, very, about spiritual things. And she said, now, Rusty, what you have to do is you have to learn how to pray in the Spirit. Because if you'll start praying in the Spirit, praying in the, in the Holy Ghost for an hour a day, and I'd already been doing it, 
I'd already been doing it. Actually, I, I, there was a time when I was just, just praying in the Spirit for two hours a day, and I was not counting the other prayer I was doing, praying the Word of God, worshiping God, and all that other kind of stuff. Now, this is what she said. She said, if you will do this, you will be able to stop thoughts. Now, I've learned that's true. You go pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour, and then you just stand there for a minute. And you'll notice thoughts don't have a choice whether to come in or go out of your mind. You can literally stop thinking. And literally, if you'll do that, then it doesn't take an hour every time to do it. As you learn to pray, it takes less and less and less time. To actually, you don't even have to pray to stop thoughts. I can get in bed with all kinds of stuff going on. Stuff in our family, stuff in our church, stuff going on here, stuff going on there. And lay there, and all of a sudden I'm thinking... You know, you, you can't get comfortable. You're flopping around like a fish out of water. And then all of a sudden I think, well, yeah, I can stop this. And I'll just stop. Take a good breath. A couple of scriptures arise up out of my spirit. I'll think about them a little bit. Take another good breath. And many times it's a worship song that will rise up out of my spirit. And I'll just let it, I'll just let it, I'll just let it flow a little bit. Next thing you know, my, the, the, the thoughts are gone. Next thing you know, I'm asleep. Leah's kicking me. Or freckles gets up and shakes her ears. <laughs> Wakes me up. Got to start it all over again. <laughs> but listen, when you've got to make a decision, when you've got to do something, spur of the moment, and God really needs to speak to you, and your mind not talk you out of it, if you've been doing that, studying, we've, how many times have we said it? Read the Word. Study the Word. Meditate upon the Word. So we'll add to it, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in other tongues. People don't, it's amazing how this type of teaching has left the body of Christ the last 20 years. People don't talk about being baptized in the Holy Ghost. They don't talk about praying in the Holy Ghost. They don't even talk about it anymore. And the enemy knows if I can get them to just quit speaking in tongues, if I can get them, I can keep them in the realm of the mind. If I can keep them in the realm of the mind, I can keep them bound. Now, my, my, my last thought. If Satan can keep you in the realm of the intellect, he will keep you defeated all the time. But if you can hold him in the realm of faith and the realm of the spirit, you will perpetually walk in victory. Amen. Let me say that again. The devil, if he can hold you in the realm of the intellect, the realm of the mind, he will keep you defeated all of the time. But if you can hold him in the realm of faith, in the realm of the Spirit, you will perpetually walk in victory. Now listen to me. Your victory will never be determined by what is going on outside of you. It will be determined by what's going on in you. Because you will never have any level of victory greater on the outside than is going on on the inside in your life. Amen? You get something tonight? Lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we worship you this evening. Now we thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. You've showed us how dangerous the mind is. So we thank you tonight, Heavenly Father. We're not subject to the intellectual explanation. We thank you for the understanding afforded us by the word of God. I pray over every person here tonight that is having trouble with their mind. I come into agreement with their faith that by faith in the Word of God and the anointing that is in them and upon them, they will get a handle on this subject. I thank you, Father, that that anointing will work in them, that they will discover the power of the Holy Ghost to cause their mind to put on the brakes, that they will not overthink, over-intellectualize, over any way whatsoever allow their intellect to dominate their spirit. Thank you, Father, that we're all growing in grace, that we're growing in righteousness, and that where we make mistakes and get in trouble, your mercy is an overwhelming force in our life. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, spirit of power, and a sound mind. Thank you, Father. My mind is subject to my spirit. My spirit belongs to you. I will think the thoughts of God. I will allow his thoughts to dominate, 
permeate my mind. I will think salvation. I will think health. I will think prosperity. I will think deliverance. I will think righteousness. I will think peace. And I will think joy. I thank you, Lord. Death shall not dominate me, nor my mind. But I shall live according to the eternal spirit that I am and forever will be. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, everybody, thank God for just a moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the mind of Christ. Thank you for the redemptive work of Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I always find it amazing that where Jesus died, where Jesus died was called the place of the skull, Golgotha. Knowing that the biggest problem that man would have, he would have with his mind. That's what it is. The biggest problem man has is with his mind. Amen? Father, thank you tonight for your word, that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you that your word challenges us. Thank you that your word defines us. And thank you that your word takes us into another place. So we leave tonight as is our custom. We always appropriate your living, active word. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We rejoice, Lord, in our travels and the righteous labor of our hands. We rejoice. We are protected. We are safe. We are blessed. Lord, outside the four walls of the church, thank you, Lord, for doors of utterance everywhere we go. Let us minister to the hurting, to the lost, to the undone, to the rejected, to the afflicted. That, that word of reconciliation that word of restoration, that word of encouragement, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, freely we receive, freely we give. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you, Lord. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.